Welcome to Halo 7 Radio. I am Jessica DeLine here with Rick Sadras. That is me. And Rahul Seti. Hello and welcome. And unfortunately, we have a little bit of a different podcast for you this week. Um, given Tyler Skaggs' untimely passing on Monday, um, we're going to be starting the podcast with a little bit of talk and reflection on uh, his career. Uh, and then we will go into some of the good performances um, things about Skaggs' remembrance over the past week, and a little bit of look ahead to next week as well. So um, let's start with Tyler Skaggs, which is a tough, obviously a tough topic of conversation. Um, that was that was incredibly surreal on Monday uh, when the news of his passing came down. I was hoping it was not real when I first heard it. I think they say one of the stages of denial is, or <laughs> grief is denial. I certainly went through that. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I was at work and I heard the news and it just felt so numb. Um, It's hard to believe that a completely healthy 27-year-old, that could happen to someone. Um, And it's, I had a lot of trouble even processing that news and you know, when you watch someone for so long, even that, even though you haven't met them, it has a profound impact on you. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. Yeah. Profound impact for sure. They're almost like your family, even though you don't know them, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Definitely. I don't know. It was really, really hard for me to also process it. Um, I, I normally don't react so strongly to things like celebrities passing away and stuff but you know we especially the halos heaven staff we are constantly focused on the on the team on the players on the community and so having something like that happen um like you said it does have a profound impact and there's not really any it's it's very different because it feels like they're a part of your family just as much as um, we're a part of theirs. So it, it, it definitely feels different than the majority of other situations that are similar. Like when, for example, when Chris Cornell passed away, you know, I, I love Soundgarden. I love Chris Cornell, but it definitely hit me differently than this one did. And it was a lot more, a lot more lasting and it will be for a while. Well, so. I think, I think so. And that that game, obviously, they canceled their game on that Monday. Uh, the Salt Lake Salt Lake Bees canceled their game as well in honor of um, that situation uh, in remembrance of Skaggs because he certainly spent some time uh, with the Bees. Uh, but that first game back that the Angels had was so incredibly hard to watch. You know, the cameras kept focusing on the players. It's amazing that they got out there and pulled out that victory. Really. Yeah. Um... It was incredible to see sort of the emotion on each of the players, Angels players' faces. They, there's not one smile cracked the entire game. Um, I think in the beginning of the game, they were trailing and almost every single at bat, every single pitch that they took um, at the plate, they were sort of pressing and you can see that they were pressing, you know, every pitch every at-bat, every plate appearance, you saw that on their faces. They they knew that they had to win this for Tyler. And, you know, they ended up 
being able to do that. Um, but it just goes to show you how much Tyler had an influence on them and, and how incredible of an individual that he was. Um, that game was, you're, you're right, that game was extremely hard to watch. Even even with us coming back to win, um, just especially the first, the, the early parts of it when we were losing and you could just tell how broken everybody was, especially Jonathan Lucroy, his face, uh, when he didn't make that tag play at home. You could just, it, I mean, I think Jessica herself said it um, when we were talking and everything while watching the game. She couldn't even watch anymore after that play because... It was just it was just too much, all the emotion, sadness. Yeah, it was it was difficult. I had to switch broadcast for a little bit because um, the Angels, like every five seconds, they were focusing on one of the players. And I'm like, geez, this is just so difficult. The fact that they have to live through that on a national broadcast and they're going to continue to have to is is says a lot about them. And that that's tough. It's they're living they're in a fishbowl as as uh, Giancarlo Stanton said about when something like that happens. Yeah. I think as Justin Bohr said in, in the post game presser after that game, you know, there's there's really no playbook for something like this and each person processes grief differently and you know, you saw that going through you know, watching that press conference after the game and and sort of Mike Trout and Cole and Andrew Heaney and Justin Upton sort of had some some words to say about Tyler and, you know, each person processed it completely differently. And I think you saw that um, after that game and you sort of saw everything that Tyler had, he gave it to his teammates and he gave it to, you know, every single person, every single encounter, every fan, um, that he touched, he, he did a lot of good things, um, as an individual, not only as a baseball player, but through his community, um, and all the, all the different lives that he touched. And, and I think that's something very special. It definitely is. You can really see that in all the players and, and even not the players, the broadcasters, everybody who's uh, had an interaction with him. So it, it was pretty great to see the outpouring of support from across the league, uh, from the different teams, from Patrick Corbin wearing number 45. Uh, there was a lot of other things that uh, people did to honor his memory as well. Really quickly before we go on, do you guys have any uh, personal anecdotes about your favorite memories of him? I, I didn't leave one in the Halo's Heaven comment section, but... I, yeah, you know, it, there's there's a gift people keep posting of, of I don't know, just his, just his personality and how he comes through. Like, I, the last couple of weeks, he was really on fire. He was really fired up. He was really competitive. Mm-hmm. He got upset yeah. about being pulled early. It, it almost reminded me of Jared Weaver a little bit, the way Weaver would stand up to that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool, but at the same time, he was a guy who you saw the skiff going around of him, you know, goofing around in the dugout and lightening things up. So um, I wouldn't say anything specifically, but just that he can be that fiery of a competitor, but also knows how to have fun because I think both of those are important. I would say the start after he came back from Tommy John surgery um, at Kauffman Stadium versus the Royals, um, he went seven shutout innings. 
um, struck out, I believe, off the top of my head, maybe nine or ten strikeouts, maybe one walk, if anything, you know, a couple hits. He was, you know, I think we were expecting just that he start to put something forward and he sort of came out of the gate firing strong and he just he just tackled that challenge head on. Um, I think that's the memory that I'm going to take with me of who Tyler was as a person, um, as a baseball player, his competitive spirit. I think that's the thing. If there's one single thing, I think that's the thing that I would remember most often about him. Yeah, and for me, um, I have two specific things that I always remember about Skaggs. And number one would be, of course, last year when he uh, he was against Garrett Cole and he shut down the Astros for, what was it, like seven innings? Completely shut him down. We won that game 2 nothing, And I don't know why, but that, that game specifically, that was like the moment when I knew last season that he was our best pitcher on our staff. And cause for a long time before that, you know, he had always like been injured. We felt like he had failed to live up to expectations. Um, but last year specifically, he really broke out and we always remember Garrett Richards, um, as an angel for his 2014 season. And I think Skag should really be remembered for how dominant he was in the first half of 2018 before his back injury. And I thought that was really, I thought that was the most memorable start of his. Um, the most memorable one for me, though, was um, I think it was also last year, actually, either that or the year before. He was against the Rangers, and he only went five innings, but he only allowed, like, I think maybe like one run. And he threw, like, something like 117, 120 pitches. And I just remember, I just remember rooting so hard from, I was at the game, and we ended up winning it. But I just remember him, just the look on his face. I just remember being like, like, like he is bound and determined to finish his fifth inning because he took him like 30 pitches to get out of the fifth finally. But he was determined to get the win for the team and just come together. And that's what he'll be remembered as, as a team player. And that, that's that's my most memorable moment for, of his, which I, I saw him in person at. So, Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. That's awesome. So and he, uh, I don't know how many people realize, but over his last five games, he was he was pitching really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually even over his last four games is even better. Uh, if you take his starts from, I'm gonna have to redo these stats now from July 13th to the or June 13th to June 29th, he had a 2.49 ERA over those four starts. Uh, wow. 19 strikeouts and 21 innings, a 203 batting average against. Uh, just one home run allowed. He was actually pretty dominant his last four starts, even though he only made it past the sixth inning once because he kept getting pulled. But he was <laughs> he was throwing a lot of pitches some of those games. But he was he was looking good uh, in the month of June overall. Um, so that's yeah he 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 definitely still had time to reach his prime. Uh, he maybe wasn't even there yet, right? So. Yeah. He had uh, 520 career innings, just shy of 100 games, and just shy of 500 strikeouts at age 27. That's not bad. Wow. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, difficult to talk about that. Uh, It was a rough week overall. The Angels ended up 3-3, but aside from the Tyler Skaggs passing, 
we had a lot of injuries. Uh, Justin Upton, Tommy Listella, uh, the day after when they had their first game back, right? That was that was a rough game. And then Jonathan Lacroix today. Yeah. Did I miss any injuries this week? It seems like everybody got hurt this week. It was rough. I think real quick before we talk about the week, I think we should briefly mention um, in Andrew Heaney's start um, following the passing of Tyler Skaggs. Um, his first pitch was an EFIS curveball, <laughs> obviously coming out from Andrew Heaney's a lefty, so coming out from the left side. Um, in honor of Tyler, um, Andrew threw his first pitch as an EFIS to um, the Astros' George Springer. Um, and I, I just thought that was, that was a really cool tribute of him to do. That was super cool. I was going to cover that when we talked about Heaney, but we can we can... Uh, do Heaney first. <laughs> yeah, um, that was also... that was really cool to try to to mimic Skaggs' pitch and then draw his initials on the mound. That was definitely a special moment. Yeah. yeah. Also, it was kind of funny because like I'll, like the whole week I couldn't watch the games. I was re- relegated to game day and um, the radio broadcasts because I'm blacked out. So I got to watch. When I watched the first pitch, I was like, "What the heck? There's a ball right down the middle." And then I went back and watched it, and I was like, how did they not call that a strike, too? <laughs> I was joking with Jeffrey. I was like, that that was like a perfect strike, and yeah, it was a tribute. How do you yeah, not call that? Yeah, I never looked that? at the game day, but they called it a ball, didn't they? Was it not over it the was, It was literally like middle-middle. Huh. <laughs> I think it, it ended middle-middle, but I think where it crossed, it was probably a ball. Well, when it's like 50 miles an hour it can cross over a lot of different spots on the plate. So Yeah, I want to speed on that one. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it was also cool of, of George Springer to agree to not swing at that pitch just because it would obviously look really bad if, um, you know, Heaney's obviously attributing to Skaggs and then George Springer hits it, you know, 400 feet. So um, it was cool of him to, to, to let Heaney pay his tribute in that way yeah i thought that was really cool as well so heaney had a pretty decent start as well um it was super emotional for him of course um but he went five innings gave up two runs so that was a pretty good start on the week for him yeah it was very encouraging because um his past several starts have had very few strikeouts more walks and also he hasn't been going very deep. And even though he only went five innings, he did kind of turn it around with the fewer walks and the more strikeouts again. And he was matching Garrett Cole mostly. Obviously the Angels couldn't hit him or couldn't drive in that run against Cole. But Heaney definitely had a very good start that day, um, even though the box score kind of looks mesh. Mm-hmm. I think it the box score should show that he gave up one earned run, but... Uh... Luis Renjifo sort of botched a double play. So unfortunately, that run came across the score. But he pitched very well against mm-hmm. a very potent Astros lineup mm-hmm. and basically matched Garrett Cole almost, um, you know, for the five innings he pitched. And he, he probably could have gone one more inning um, had Brad Osmus not pulled him as well. Yeah, I was looking. I found the game day. They don't have the speed on that first pitch that he knew through. But it was definitely right down the middle i don't know if they called it a ball because it was kind of a tribute pitch and they knew springer wasn't going to swing but that that's kind of interesting that that one was called a ball mm-hmm. yeah it was literally down the middle so yeah it really was yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, good, good promising start by him. Hopefully he can take that fuel into his uh, next one. Yeah. Yep. Um, we have some more people we're going to focus about this week. If you guys listened to us last week, we're kind of switching the format up a little bit and focusing on some specific players instead of covering everybody. So um, let's move on to the next one. Let's just stick with the pitchers and then we'll do the hitters, right? Does that sound good? Okay. Sounds good. So we have a few more pitchers to cover that had you great know, weeks. One person we didn't mention we wanted to talk about that I did want to mention, I believe um, Felix Pena. He, he did get the win, and he had an okay primary performance, you know, two runs allowed over four innings pitched to get the win against Verlander. But I wanted to mention that his line, if I'm not mistaken, against the Astros has been very solid in his career. And so I actually felt pretty confident about that game once I mm. saw us getting to Verlander. I actually yeah, did great. feel like that was going to be a win for us. Even though if you had told me before the game we were going to get to Verlander with three home runs, I was not very... uh, I wouldn't have taken you seriously. (laughs) (laughs) We did Mm -hmm. that earlier this year, though. We did, I know. But that was also (laughs) taking advantage of the lines that are like 325 feet. (laughs) Yeah, this was was a real real home run steer. (laughs) Yeah, they were. Yep, they were. Yeah. Unlike Yuli Gariel's. (laughs) <laughs> Boo! <laughs> that one went 340 feet by the way i remember talking about that one yeah which one That's... there were like two well one of them you <laughs> said was like a wall scraper but i'm like it went 340 feet that would have been out at at least a few ballparks <laughs> the band boxes maybe oh yeah yep all right uh other good pitchers that we wanted to cover justin anderson was amazing anderson, last week yeah his his line was phenomenal. I and today seemed a little shaky just because he had that one walk, but that was also coming into a high leverage situation and shutting it down. But he had eight strikeouts in three and a third. I mean that's that's insane. That's, that's almost that's, every hitter. Yeah, that's vintage Justin yeah. Anderson from twenty eighteen. Eight out the kind of, of guy, eight out of ten he struck out. That's the kind of guy that we were expecting to see this year. Um, but with more walks, because he only had two walks, which is very good for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought this week was a huge, huge improvement over what we've seen from him from the rest of the season, and I hope he can continue this, because if he can, he'll be huge for us down the stretch. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think so as well. He's His, his off-speed stuff is definitely working, and he's um, looking really good. On the mound, and remember, I and I mean his velocity is still down from last year. I don't know what happened to that. Maybe that was just a fluke where he was throwing ninety nine every single pitch. But what I've from what I've seen, um, I I used to always say la- uh, early this year when we first had him that when he was on, he was unhittable. Now mm-hmm. he did allow like two singles, I think, or something like that. But I still contest that like he is one of the best strikeout guys we have by by far when he is locating. Yeah. He allowed an OPS of 497. Um, strikeouts per nine this week, 21.6. That'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we move on to our next uh, pitcher who is really, really good. How about Hansel Robles? I think um, he um, 
He pitched a lot, actually, the week. Yeah, he did. Five innings pitched, yeah. um, struck out four, and uh, allowed five base runners and converted the one save opportunity that he got. So pretty successful week overall. Today was scary, loading the bases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, today was most could... of those base runners. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, somehow he got out of it, so, you know. And he did it while nice pitching work. two innings, too. <laughs> yeah, or he did go one, two innings it, today. Was it one in? No, no, because Buttry didn't get any outs. So, yeah, That's he, right. he did the full two innings and had base mm-hmm. runners on when he came in. So you yeah. got to you gotta give props to Robles there because he was absolutely lights out today. He did a nice job. Yeah. Yeah, I was happy to see him come in uh, in that game. The game didn't end the way we wanted it to, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was a great game, though. It, it was, was yeah. really and, was a great game. And considering we expected the series to go zero and three instead of one and two, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, uh, a couple more pitchers before we talk about some of the hitters. Berea had a good start. Struck out eight over five innings. Yeah, the sure strikeouts did. were impressive. They were all almost all swinging strikeouts, right? Maybe except for one. Yeah, he but he doesn't get many called strikes. His stuff is too average for that. But <laughs> fringy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eight eight swinging strikeouts over five innings pitched, just four hits allowed. Allowed two earned runs. One of those came on a home run. Um, but pitched very well, very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, we it'd be it would be nice to see that out of Jaime Berea moving forward. But he's, you know, sort of a wild card in that you don't know what you're going to get um, until he's actually on the mound. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, there was one more pitcher I wanted to cover. Um, he got the loss in today's game, which was unfortunate. But Taylor Cole had a otherwise pretty good week. Uh, even the, the double and the single he gave up, that ended up ending the game were pretty decent pitches. Um, mm-hmm. He just was facing the Astros. (laughs) Yeah, and also that double should have been picked off. Yeah, that should not have been the game-winning double. Yeah, he should have been been called out. It should have been overturned. I think they did it as a call stands because they couldn't overturn it with enough evidence. But it should have looked like he was out. I think so. Mm -hmm. But uh, in any case, Cole pitched three innings. Um he gave up just one earned run, which was from today's game, which should not have been an earned run for the reasons that Rick stated. Um, <laughs> allowed just a 580 OPS, um, and in general was very good. Elicited ground balls. Um, did have two walks, gave up two hits, but in general was was pretty reliable on the mound. Yeah, he was. I think so. I also wanted to mention, um, we're not going to go into detail about him, but about Jose Suarez over this week. Um, there were some pretty gutsy performances from him. He didn't get to go very long, and today, for some reason, he was pulled up for three and a third, I think, and I thought that was not right. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why we had the big bullpen meltdown. But his 11 strikeouts over seven and a third innings pitch, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And he also limited his home runs to only two allowed over two starts, which is, for him... <laughs> That's a huge improvement over what we've seen because we've seen him like allow three per game. Mm-hmm. That is true, you know. 
Yeah. Some of the hitters that we wanted to focus on, actually, there's a half dozen or so uh, that were pretty good. Um, real quickly, Matt Thice made his major league debut, and of course, he got a double in Yay. his first, first at bat. Unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't do much else during the week, but that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, he started he off with that double, and you were like, "Okay, awesome. We got a we got a first baseman who'll get stuff done." And then, <laughs> and then he had six strikeouts over the next nine at bats. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say though, the double that he did hit was off on a pretty impressive pitch. You know, that was a well located yeah. um pitch on the upper middle part of the zone. Um on a almost I wanna say it was a two two count and he sort of just went the other way to left center, um into the gap and if we can see more of that from Matt Dice, he'll be he'll be an mm -hmm. angel. Yeah. If I were, yeah. I'm gonna check really fast, but if I recall too, I think he was, I think he had a few line drives that kind of just were right to batters, but I could be mistaken. Let me see. Perhaps, yeah, but his his line certainly shows you it's it's not easy to adjust to major league pitching. Oh yeah, we saw that with Ward. <laughs> mm-hmm. We did. <laughs> to his credit, though, he did have a really good diving stop today, which saved runs. So. All right. Um, some other. Oh, you looking up his hits? He had a, well, I mean, this is across, what, like three or four at-bats, but a 50% line drive rate. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> and 75% yeah, hard hit rate. So he was hitting oh. the ball hard. That's he great. had two line drives and one fly ball. I'm sure the fly ball is probably the double. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, so. I mean, like, when he made contact, it was pretty solid. Just kind of got a little bit of batting average on ball and play uh, bad luck. But the strikeouts, he's got to tone those down. <laughs> part mm -hmm. of it I think also um, I think it's also partially because he's so patient you know, you know you see him just like Taylor Ward last year I used to always complain because Ward uh, he'd stand there and just take three pitches down the middle and you wonder what was going through his mind but <laughs> Thice also he'll he'll get deep into counts as well so he's, he's notorious for also taking a lot of walks in AAA but you gotta be able to hit those fastballs down the middle and make them land in yeah. Well, speaking of debuts, um, Jarrett Parker made his season debut for the Angels in left field. Mm -hmm. In 12 at-bats, he did not get a hit. It was arguably better, though. <laughs> arguably. <laughs> he had okay. three walks. <laughs> he did three have three walks. walks. He yeah. also had eight strikeouts and 12 yeah. at-bats. Mm -hmm. so, he either um, walked or struck out, basically. <laughs> exactly. A two-true-outcome guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that third one could show up soon. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Justin Upton's mm -hmm. coming back soon. so. Um, Hope so, after we'll the break. We'll see what happens to Parker, but, uh, you know, good luck to him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's all I have to say about Parker. So Mike Trout, I'm going to talk about real quick here. He had a monster week. Um, his 467 on base wasn't even the highest. We'll talk about who had the highest. <laughs> but six home runs, 10 RBIs. I guess that curse of the player of the week is over now. He's, he's passed his curse point, and he's back to being Mike Trout. Nice. <laughs> yeah. He also had six walks. Compared yeah. to just four strikeouts, yeah, six home runs in one week, mm -hmm. two home runs today, 
And a lot of those home runs came on difficult pitches to hit too. They weren't they weren't gimme pitches in the slightest. You know what kind of stinks though? Despite what? his incredible line, Trout probably will not get AL Player of the Week because just as good, if not better than him, was Yuli Gurriel. Matched him in homers, hit another, got another hit in fewer yeah, at bats, more RBIs, mm-hmm. like that's four hundred points want higher it. in OPS. <laughs> this is an Angels podcast. I'm just saying, like, like every single time Trout hit a home run, Goriel was right there doing the exact same thing, and I was like, "Gosh!" So, uh, (laughs) to be fair, though, to be fair, completely fair, Goriel's home runs were a lot of bandbox home runs. Like they weren't, you know, legitimate. Completely agree. Home runs, but on the stat sheet, it looks like Goriel had a better week. But I don't know that I agree with that. But remember. it still shows up as a home run. <laughs> it does. Even if it was a cheap true. It's true. And speaking of home runs, Mike Trout now has 28, which set the franchise record for the most home runs before the All-Star break. He actually set it the home run before with 27. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Number 27. So having a great year. He's um, good at baseball. David Fletcher had a 478 on base. He obviously didn't have the same kind of slugging as Mike Trout because he didn't hit any home runs. Um, but he had a great week as well. Three walks, three strikeouts, six runs, zero RBIs remarkably, but um, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully when you lead off, um, you're the one doing all the scoring, and that's yes, pretty much correct. the case. So. Yep, he had the second most runs on the team behind Mike Trout, so that makes sense. Most surprising was the fact that he had the highest on-base percentage of everybody. Mm-hmm. If you count yes. people that have more than two plate appearances. Because mm-hmm. Goodwin had a 500 in... Actually, three plate appearances. Goodwin had a 500 wow. on-base. So, yeah. So we're not, we're not know, counting that. Eight but hits you gotta, and you, tw- 20 at-bats? It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta like Fletcher taking those walks, because... If he's going to be the uh, leadoff man of the future, he's got to be getting <laughs> on base by any means necessary, and he's been doing that for sure this year. His his on-base percentage of the year is, what, like over 360, 370? It's got to be. Uh, it's something really high, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, it's 359. Three, so, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal, though. Yeah, it's unfortunate what happened to Tommy Listella, but I definitely like David Fletcher in the leadoff spot, so mm-hmm. I'll be excited to see him there more. If anything, what should have happened was um, Listella should have been in an RBI position with his slugging, and Fletcher should have been leading off with his walk rates. I would agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree. So, <laughs> next player, a couple more players to talk cover. Otani. Otani. Otani didn't even walk last week, but he didn't really need to. Dingers. Yeah, he he takes a walk <laughs> around all four bases. <laughs> <laughs> he had three doubles as well, two, a couple home runs and three doubles. And he only struck out four times, which is pretty good for Otani. What's funny about Otani is like when he makes contact with the ball, you're expecting a double or a home run. I never expect a single as long as it's in the air. Ever. No, yeah. <laughs> it always goes to the wall if it's in the air. If he hits it on well, the ground the opposite way, it'll be a it'll be a single or a double. But yeah, if he hits it in the air, it's extra bases. Well, and sure. five of five of his eight uh, hits were home run or double. So. 
and I'm sure the other three singles were like opposite field bouncers. Probably. <laughs> uh, I remember at least one of those, yeah. His opposite, you know, he loves to go the opposite way, and it's so beautiful to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they still shift on him. I don't... I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, ni- I mean, I- the nice thing about him is, like, he, just like Trout, has such a high bat speed that he has the ability to let the ball travel deeper into the zone so he can mm-hmm. go the opposite way with those bouncers. Other people yep. don't have the same power that Otani has, so they can't take the same freedoms with their swings. The stronger you are, the, the, the later you can swing. It's that simple. It is that simple. That's physics. <laughs> I saw those... a tweet um, from Fabian Ardaya, um, who's the beat writer... Um, the Angels beat writer for The Athletic, and he had a tweet that said, Otani has one of the lowest um, launch angles in all of baseball, yet on his fastball per, um, his home run for, per fastball is one of the highest in the league. So <laughs> if he can improve that launch angle, then, you know, he's he's going to be even better than what he is now, which is almost scary to think even think about. Yeah, that launch angle, um, he he really is beating the ball into the ground, but he's turned it around a lot. I think part of it, I don't know how recent he's going across the whole season or if he's just going like since June 1st or whatever, but um, in the very first part of when he came back, the first couple weeks or so, every single ball he hit was directly straight down. So he's turned it around a lot. He's still bouncing the ball every now and then, but for the most part, he's he's getting airtime now. And when he gets the ball, when he gets the barrel on the ball and gets that airtime, it's always gone or a double every time. Without yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. by the way, I just want to mention around. that's his 14th home run since he came back. Which, if you take that across the whole season, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Shohei... fact that he's not in the home run derby is so disappointing. Shohei Otani has the fourth highest average exit velocity in all of baseball, but he's in the bottom. But he's in the bottom ten in baseball in average launch angle. So that's something. So watch your toes if you're if you're on the other team. (laughs) (laughs) Tread lightly. (laughs) Yeah, he's shooting exactly. Yep. It would be cool to see Otani in the home run derby. Hopefully we can get to see that soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Rahul, did you see that that message I sent to you earlier today? About? Matt Chapman's in it now. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Wait, what? So your guy, yeah, Matt Chapman's Matt in Chapman's it. Matt Chapman's in the home run derby? Matt Chapman Yelich. replacing Christian Yelich. Yeah, Yelich opted not to go into it. Which, I don't know why they wouldn't give it to Otani, but whatever. <laughs> it's because chatted. they were servicing Rahul. that's right that's right yeah it'll be exciting to watch tomorrow (laughs) Uh, i hope so all right um cole calhoun i think most of his damage was against the rangers and he killed Mm -hmm. the rangers Mm -hmm. he really did he had a lot of strikeouts on the week but he also had two home runs and two doubles and he also had six rbis so he came through big time against the rangers for us and actually in that first game um, that we played on the week um, after Skaggs passing, he was he was a big, crucial part of that comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it 
the weird thing to me is when I watch Cole Calhoun swing the bat, it feels like he's trying to sell out for power on every single swing. But yet, when I look at his stat line, it's not it's not completely selling out for power, um, which is interesting. But he's been really hot over the last few weeks, and it's refreshing to see. Well, it I is. think I think last year is when he kind of sold out for power, and he found out it wasn't working for him. Because remember, his hard hit rate was like. 45 48 percent or something like that on the team highest on the team by far mm-hmm. last year and it just did not work out for him because he was pulling everything mm-hmm. right and he was going right to fielders they were all shifting on him deep into the hole between first and second so he's elected to sacrifice some of the power in order to start going the other way more often and it's been working out for him really well yeah but it yeah. took him some time to adjust i mean obviously that's not something you've you've gone You've gone pull your whole life. You can't just magically undo that. So it took some time to adjust, but now he's been really, really solid this year. His OPS is back around 800 on the on the season. So he's been absolutely killing it, and I hope if we're not going to trade him, which I hope we trade him, but if we don't... <laughs> I hope then I so. Hope, you just had to slip that in, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> then I hope he could be good for us next year if we elect to re-sign him. I hope we don't pick up the option. That's way too much money for that. But. It's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right. One last guy on the big league roster to talk about. The future looks bright with Fletcher, Simmons, yeah. and Renhifo in the infield, right? Yes. He had yeah. a great week. Although I don't know that Rick thinks that Simmons' future is bright, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a good day. He, he beats the Astros a lot. You know, I... I was I was actually pretty confident in the series, uh, but mm-hmm. against the Rangers, he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, Ren Hufo's been uh, actually developing pretty well recently. Um, despite some mistakes, he's making a lot more contact. He's being a lot more patient at the plate. Um, in general, it's just you know, obviously you're seeing the results. They're a lot better this week. Mm-hmm. 18 at bats, six hits. Um, and three walks. Um, so not much to complain about there for Renhifo. Yeah, the thing you got to like is that he's sliding down on the strikeouts and speeding up on the walks, which is exactly what we were expecting from him because one of his big calling cards in the minors had been getting on base and then stealing, which he, we haven't seen pretty much any of from him. <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. but Getting on base is is definitely his thing, and if he can continue doing that, then he and Fletcher can definitely fight it out for the leadoff spot. I don't care, as long as they're both doing well. Yeah, you want to have that problem. Exactly. <laughs> yep, that's definitely a good problem to have. You want yeah. to imagine that, that Renhifo is like our Sean Figgins, and Fletcher is like our Eckstein. That's what you want to imagine. Although right <laughs> now, it seems like Fletcher's a little better than Eckstein. Yeah, True. I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's already surpassed that comp. <laughs> yeah. And next time was pretty darn good, my favorite player when I was growing up too, so there's some people who want your head for that comment, but I, I don't agree with it. <laughs> I he think was my favorite uh, player. I can say that. <laughs> I think the trade the CJ Crone trade, trading Crone away to get Renhifo, I think that is going to look like a very, very shrewd move. And it's already looking like that, so not much to complain about for the Angels on that side. All right. Uh, let's cover a few of the minor league guys that had good performances over the past week. 
the first of which he's had a pretty rough season. Jake Jewell, uh, 6.41 ERA this year and a 1.73 whip in AAA. Um, didn't do so great in his time in the majors so far. But last week for the Salt Lake Bees, he pitched three innings, didn't allow a run, only gave up two hits and a walk with three strikeouts. So that's promising. If he can keep up those kind of numbers. Yeah, he's got a good cutter. So hopefully we'll see that translate as time goes on. I hope so. I zoned out and don't remember who you were talking about. (laughs) Jake Jewell. (laughs) Jake Jewell. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. That guy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Who had an untimely end to his season last year? Yeah, that yeah. that moment when you get a when you get a text from work and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We had a we had a starting pitcher last week in Salt Lake that was just fantastic. It was Nick Tropiano. Woo! Six, six innings. He only gave up one hit, and he struck out seven. Wow. That's a huge improvement. Yeah. I'd like to see him start in the big A instead of K Harver. (laughs) K Harville. Ooh, Harville, I like that. The the thing about like you guys know that I'm no I'm not shy about saying that I'm not a fan of Tropiano, but um, his past several starts, according to the information you've been telling us, have been incredibly (laughs) solid. And so maybe maybe it's time to go ahead and give him another look see. Um, even though I have not been a fan. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to um, give either he or Harvey a start, right? Because our, our depth chart right now is Heaney, Canning, Suarez, and Pena. That's four guys. Right. Well, you also have Berea. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Spot starts. Yep. Exactly. But yep. I think at this point you don't want to start Harvey for obvious reasons. Yeah, let's um, not talk about his rehab start because we're trying to remain positive this week. On the cough, players. cough performance, cough, cough incentives, yeah. cough, cough other. Oh, that too. Pitchers. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, hey, you always have to have mop up guys. You do. Mm-hmm. And Cahill can't mop up everything. Sometimes <laughs> you need Matt Harvey to come in and mop up. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna have seven good games a week. <laughs> yeah. All Let's right. talk about a couple of hitters for the bees that had great weeks. <laughs> One of them is also a pitcher. I don't know if you pitched last week. I didn't check those stats, but was it Wera Jalsh? Uh, it was Jared Walsh. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> he hit three oh eight with two home runs and four five walks last week. Wow. Pretty solid. I don't want to talk about his strikeouts, but... Seems like a good player. He did strike out nine times. Ooh. That is a lot. In those seven games. That's, That's a, lot a lot of times. But, uh, That's yeah. more than... That is more than everybody on the team? Um, yes. Or, yeah. Well, Just yes. barely, but yes. That is more than everybody else, and that was in AAA. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one more. Um, Taylor Ward. We were talking about him earlier. He seems to always have good weeks. Woo! Um, Taylor Ward has a 1.001 OPS in AAA this year. Uh, that is not. Last... That is not three digits. That is four. That is four digits. <laughs> and last week he hit 367 with two walks and two homers. Pretty wow. Yep. Not much to add on that, but you know we we hope it translates. But 
you know, yeah. we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. Right. You don't really know what's going to happen with Thice, with Ward, with Walsh right now. I mean, they're older. They're crushing AAA. But, you know, plenty of players bloom late in the majors and they crush AAA for a little while before doing so. So you don't know if they're going to take more than just a cup of coffee or two in order to start bashing the majors. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that being said, we can talk about the preview for next week. It's obviously a short week. Let's start with the All-Star stuff. Um, another MVP for Mike Trout in the All-Star game? Maybe? I would Maybe. like to see that. That'd be pretty cool. Who is starting for the, Nas- for the National League? Uh, you know that the NL, I think, has better pitchers, so it's going to be tough for the AL to win, but uh, I'm not sure. That is a great question. Where do we find that? We should know that, right? Let's see if one of us can look that up. I think Rahul's maybe looking it up. Let's hope he's looking it up. <laughs> what are we even looking up? All-star game starters. I think Verlander's a starter for the American League, right? Okay, yeah. so not not sure who the starting pitchers are, uh, which it sounds like that's what you guys wanted to find out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely certain what you guys are looking for, but here's some indifferent information. Exactly. <laughs> what, what different information do you have, Rubble? I have the starting lineups and all the available pitchers and reserves. Well, we don't necessarily need that, but anyway, yeah, let's 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 keep an eye on that. That'd be pretty cool if Mike Trout got another MVP, of course, of the All Star Game. Give a give a truck away to somebody else. <laughs> I hear that trucks are in demand recently. Are they? I don't know. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Angels only play three games next weekend, and it's against Seattle. Mm-hmm. We love Seattle. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, they There are a couple. We don't know who's going to be starting for the Angels. But we, we love Seattle. We, we love Seattle. But there are a couple starters announced for the Mariners. Um, I believe it's Leak. Well, I think it might be an assumption, but MLB.com has, I think, Leak on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think Sunday is a win for us because it's against Kikuchi. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's an obvious win. The Angels have done really well against him this year. So I hope that's... Otani gets four plate appearances <laughs> against him. And I hope Mike Trout gets four as well. And I hope that three of those four plate appearances per are home runs. <laughs> I'm expecting it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he for sure has the Sunday game and Leak Mike Leak has the Friday game. Uh, nobody announced for Saturday and the Angels haven't announced any other pitchers yet for the upcoming weekend. It's probably going to be Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, that's yeah. a good guess. Here's the thing. I think what they're going to do is I think they're going to restructure it because of the All-Star game. I think that Marco Gonzalez is going to start. I think they're going to reset from there because they don't want Kikuchi to see the Angels because he <laughs> sucks against the Angels. Sure Good does. point. Good point. That's what I think they're going to do because they already tried restructuring against us before. <laughs> and that didn't go so well. It did not. But they went to all lefties and we ended up taking that series. So. Right. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have the NL starter for the All Star game actually. Oh great! Hyunjin Ryu. He is ten and three with a one point seven three ERA. Hmm. 
Okay, so yeah, there's but, that. But that was the obvious choice, and I should have known that from the beginning. <laughs> I think the managers don't announce their starter because I can't seem to find it anywhere. Well, what if? What if? And here's just not. Here's just a thought. What if they just went ahead and did Luis Castillo instead? They could do that. Because but... no one wants to see Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> Ryu's boring and throws, like, 90. <laughs> which means he'll strike out Trout, which is great. Shush. Hey. <laughs> Do we even know what his stats are against Mike Trout? Ryu? I have it. Hold on. I've got it right here. I don't want to Oh, see it. you don't want to know. I don't. I didn't think I did. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. I was right? Mike Trout is 0 for 10 with four strikeouts. Oh my gosh. So, first inning, Mike Trout will strike out. <laughs> I wish I wasn't right. <laughs> uh, well, he's bound to hit him eventually. It's the All-Star game, so it's not a normal regular season game. So, for all we know, he'll hit a home run never see an, and never get another hit off him ever again. That's possible. possible. Maybe he'll groove him a Jeter pitch. I sure hope Maybe so. Maybe he'll groove him a Dakota Hudson to Albert Pujols pitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do you guys think the Angels are going to do... Against the Mariners, I'm, I'm thinking two and one. I think they can take <sighs> at least two of those games. I'm gonna say, well, if they restructure it like I think they will, I'm gonna say one and two. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we would. I think we would see Gonzalez, and I think we would see Leak. I don't think Gonzalez is gonna be is gonna be weak again like we saw him before. I think he'll be back to his normal self, and Leak just owns us, even though he has no business doing that. So, I think we'll win one game. I think that Gonzalez and Leak will uh, take the victories over us. Going think... seven innings pitched each. Oh my gosh. Bold. That um, is bold. I think I'm going to say, I'm also going to go bold. Um, I think we're going to take the series, but I think it's going to be a sweep. Um, I think that... We're going to get Justin Upton back, obviously. Tommy LaStella is a loss. Um, unfortunately, we won't have Jonathan Lucroy for that series, but Dustin Garneau does have better pitch framing. Um, so there is that. That's definitely something. Um, so I, I think we'll be okay in this series. And do I don't think the pitching will decide our fate either way. Do we know when Kevin Smith is coming back? We do not. Don't know. Okay. But he'd like be nice to, see to him. have. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even with his poor defense, his offense makes up for it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Any but, other notes to add? Yeah, that I disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> what about you, Jessica? What do you think? What do I, uh... Well, she just told you. She said two and one. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I must be out of it or something. I didn't even you, remember yeah, hearing Yeah, I'm like, that. wait, did I not just say that? <laughs> you did, and I don't even... I, I forgot completely. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wow. talk about, before we go, should Jake Marisnik be suspended for that play at home? I'm going to say no. No? I'm going to say no, and here's why. When you're running that fast, I don't think that your split-second decision is going to be the best decision that you're going to make. I don't think that it was intentional or malicious in any way. 
Um, I know he did go inside the baseline. He did. But he was Luke, not heading but, for the plate. Right, but Lucroy's Lucro, Calhoun's throw took Lucroy back a few steps into the baseline. So Marisnik was trying to avoid that head-on collision. So he went inside the baseline, but then he realized where the baseline is, and mm-hmm. he thought that Calhoun's throw was going to take Lucroy back even further than it did. So that's yeah. the reason why he went inside as opposed to outside. And so I, I'm going to say no. But I, it was really unfortunate in the way that it played out. I do not subscribe to your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he should be suspended, though. Um, I Rewatching the play, you can definitely see him make a drastic route alteration. Drastic. Like, it's not even close. He was on the outside part of the line, and he magically, like, dove into the line where Lucroy was. He could have easily gone around him. So he totally, totally intentionally ran into him. Now, I don't think, I don't think that he meant to be dirty. Um, I don't think that he was trying to hurt him. I think there were lots of different ways he could have slid or gone into Lucroy that would have looked extremely bad from what it looked like to me looked like he was kind of trying to disrupt the play but not take him out personally mm-hmm. so I think he should have been called out either way of course he definitely interfered um, but I don't think it was a case of oh maybe I shouldn't have done that I think it was a case of I made a decision it's unfortunate Luke Roy got hurt but I would do it again every single time because you can see he makes an extreme root alteration. It's not even close. He was already heading toward the plate and he went out of his way to not go toward it. He did. He intentionally rerouted his path to go uh, run into LaCroix, which is, I think, kind of bullcrap. But <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Whatever. he meant to hurt LaCroix at all. I don't think he meant to. There are times like when, o- when Odor slid into Giovatella, that looked like it was intentional spiking. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yep. I was already I was already have my pitchforks out when I watched the play and everything. But this did not look, did not look like he was trying to hurt Luke Roy. It looked like he was trying to disrupt the play and be a gamer. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it was a well, terrible play on his part. He even admitted it was a bad play on his part. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely All right. agree anything with that anything else? Too. Anything else before um, we wrap up? I mentioned this to you guys earlier. But there was a post on Reddit um, earlier today that said that, and this is before today's game, obviously, but after going over three last night, Chris Davis was officially had officially a, a career batting average of point two four seven two four seven two four seven repeating bar notation. So he, I mean, we all know that he's been the definition of consistency. Always batting 247 year in and year out. He's had 247 hits every 999 at bats. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> I just wanted to mention this because okay, <laughs> there is obviously a baseball god for this to be possible. <laughs> Again, this is an Angels podcast, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing this important and crucial information with us. <laughs> everybody needed to know because 247 is like, 
it, it's it's like the movie you know the the number thirteen that movie. That's the number two forty seven for Chris Davis. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. All right. <laughs> On that that's our, note, I, that's our wisdom for the day. <laughs> on that note, I think we're good for this week's podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.